You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. We're going to go and get started, guys, and Oscar's going to start us off with a word of prayer. Heavenly uh, Father, God, thank you so much for this uh, evening, uh, this time to be together, Lord. Thank you so much for this, uh, this group, this uh, West Side Church, Lord. Uh, I know we're all coming from different areas, different jobs, and we're all making sacrifices to be here, Lord. Uh, but we're doing it for you, God. We want to know you more, be closer to you, draw closer to you, and our, our fellowship, uh, loving one another, loving you, and all our strength, all our mind, all our heart, all our, all our ability, God. Uh, pray for this message to understand holiness, um, that you know we are encouraged by it, and and convicted even uh, to draw closer to you in every way possible. God, thank you so much for this uh, for this day and this evening. Uh, pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, when I was, uh, you know, two weeks ago we talked about obviously just a very you, uh, somewhat different take than maybe a lot of you had heard about on the Pharisees. But as I was looking at it, um, one thing that always comes often when you start doing deeper Bible classes or more apologetics kind of stuff is you, people usually fall into one of two categories. They either fall into, my, uh, and my girlfriend jokes about this a lot, she says she's a life application Bible, and she says I'm a study Bible. And sometimes we fall into one of these two, we, we can take sides. Oh, I just want to know, just teach me what I need to do to survive life. Or you have other people that say, no, we need to know, I need to know the knowledge, I need to understand the Bible. I need to nerd out. I need to get into it. And oftentimes we don't see why the, how the two complement one, one another. And there's a subject, obviously, as you can see tonight, when we talk about holiness, where I feel like Scripture and knowledge and deeper study come together and bond with life application really, really well. Where we can see where the importance of understanding the Scriptures and how to apply it to our lives comes together in a very old text. And so, uh, looking at this area, holiness, um, what comes to your mind when you hear this word holy or holiness? Set apart. Set apart? Okay. Pure. Pure. Righteous. Righteous. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. How often do you think about the word holiness? You're like, before I read it? No. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that we don't, we don't oftentimes discuss enough. Or if we do, it'll come in context of worship. Or it'll come in context of how we show up to church. And that is a part of it. We're actually going to address part of that tonight. But what I want to look at is first just to be able to understand this word and understand what sets us apart. I think that there is a... In today's culture, and today's environment, we're always looking at how do we need to act, how do we need to respond, how do we need to live... Uh, being part of the, the Screenland ministry group, uh, the, we've had a lot of discussions lately on how to work and survive in the entertainment industry. The battle between relatability and seeming religious and how to do all these things. And sometimes it can make it seem like holiness doesn't have a very big... That, does that become a very prominent fixture in our work environment? How do we apply what holiness really looks like? Or if we do, we have these misconceptions about what holiness might actually be and how it applies to our lives. You either, if you grew up in a very strict household, holiness might be a set of rules on how to act right. If you grew up in a very more liberal house, you're like, all right, holiness is, well, I'm not Jesus. The Bible says God's perfect and we should strive for perfection. But we can come up with a lot of excuses for things. 
But what actually is holiness and why does it, why is it even important? Why does it even matter and how does it relate to our lives today? The importance of holiness uh, is found to me in Hebrews 12.14. The scripture simply says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I don't know that we think about that in our everyday life. How holy you are will help determine whether your friend, family, and those you care about ever see God. It's a direct correlation the Scripture makes with how people will see God by your holiness. I think it's an important thing that we start there and we land. And I think this is a word that's got to become a lot bigger part of our vocabulary, but not in a religious way, but in an actual real way that the Scriptures intended. Holiness as the Hebrew writer wrote, because you had this conflict and what was going on in the first century. You had a group of Jews that were slaves, but kind of free, but kind of not. The Roman Empire. Rome was very clever with those that they, they brought into servitude. They made them feel free, but then controlled all the aspects of their life. They kind of get a good balance of it. We see that a lot in governments around the world and maybe even our own at times. where um, Or even our bosses at work, very good at making us feel like we have more um, options than maybe we do sometimes. But, in, but holiness is incredibly important because it's the window through us by which the world and our friends and our family are going to see God. And that's why this word is so important, why this concept is so important, and it needs to be a lot bigger part of how we talk and be much more mindful of who we are. We must strive for holiness. This is a very important part. I don't think we talk about striving for it. A lot of people think either you are or you aren't. We kind of we make this polarizing thing. And, and again, I think things like religiosity or church or organized religion and holiness and a lot of these things are words we don't oftentimes want to be associated with. And we hear that a lot. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, though, I think highlight our importance for striving for holiness. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, being holy, and if you read this entire chapter, really gets into a much deeper concept and really starts to lay out what holiness looks like and why we should strive for it. Do you, how, when was the last time we dared God to search our heart? And to look at every thought and judge it and look at it and look at our motives and look at who we are and look at what we're willing to do and look how we live our lives and look what's important. I think we look at God a lot. We look at people around us a lot and we say, God, where is this? Where is that? Where's my spouse? Where's my dating person? Why did you give me this spouse? Um, all these, <laughs> these jobs, all these things we can go through. We can have all these different categories that we will look out to, to judge the righteousness or the holiness of someone else. Or if even God, but do we look into our own heart? Do we ask God to do that? Do test me and know my anxious thoughts. This rings true with me because I am one of the most anxious people you will ever meet. I struggle with this social anxiety. Uh, getting up here and speaking in front of you when I'm talking about the Bible, it's easy to hide behind the scriptures and God and not focus on myself. But I actually struggle with this a lot. And I actually have a very stressful job now that I, that I get the opportunity to do. And I have to examine this every day because these anxious thoughts start to affect me. 
And do I really want God testing me in that moment to see where my heart is at? Am I seeking holiness? Am I looking at that? Are others going to see God through the way I deal with my anxious thoughts? See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I think there's a lot of things that we can do in this. And when we look at our our ways, is there any offensive way in me? For me, for years, I had these big dreams. I'm kind of a Lucille Ball type. If you ever watch I Love Lucy, she always had these grand plans, but never really the right way to get there. It's like it's A and Z and everything else is just an obstacle in my way. I need to get to Z as fast as I can. And I've got a get rich quick scheme. I've got a way to get there. And let's just go. Character, hard work, all the other stuff that goes up that leads up to it wasn't nearly the priority. But it was something that I had to really do. And when I had to start examining my character, I'd be willing to pay the price. And God test me in this. And God did. A couple of years ago, I was sitting at a point of life where I thought I was moving to Israel. I was getting ready to open my own business over there. I was going to be triumphantly replant the church in Jerusalem for us. And I was going to get to preach the word in Jerusalem and live out every Jewish Christian kid's fantasy. I was going to be, they were, you know... They could write songs about me someday. No, I didn't quite go that far. But, but I got flagged as a potential missionary a week before I was supposed to go, and I got flagged, and they revoked my citizenship, and I wasn't allowed to go. It was very tough. But I had quit my job. I'd sold everything I owned. I found another brother to rent my room in my apartment. So I had no place to live. I ended up living, sleeping on the floor of the living room that I'd previously been my home. And as I went through that time, I had to really start to examine. I had to start over. And what was I willing to do? What were my thoughts? I thought I was ready to give up something big and huge for God. I was going to sacrifice this and then it didn't happen. And so it was, and I had all this Lucille Ball mindset of, all right, I'll just go and make a movie, win an Oscar, make a bunch of money, blah, 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 blah. Well, how are you going to do that? What do you do? Well, they just need to recognize my talent and just let me direct something, though I've never directed anything before. They just need to recognize, don't you see the greatness before you? Well, that greatness ended up having to take a job making $12 an hour as a manager of a frozen yogurt shop. Part time. With no prospects of where that was going to lead. For someone who was famous, it was their shop they owned, and they were not a nice person. Got ripped off, had checks not clear, but I had to make sure and go, where is test God? Test my thoughts. Are my ways offensive? Am I willing to do what I don't want to do? Am I willing to keep my anxiousness in check and try to remain holy in that circumstance? Am I willing to do whatever it takes? And then through that, I did it. And then right at the peak where I go, I can't take it anymore. God miraculously got me another job as a vendor at a movie studio doing something I didn't want to do. Watching other people make TV shows and movies. Watching other people's live out what I had thought about doing. But it was another step, and it was steady. And God allowed me to test. Am I going to work and be humble? Can I test my ways? Was I being offensive? Was I anxious? How was I going to live? And in, through no effort of my own, because I had tried for years on my own to do it my way. I had had all these grand plans and made and laid out all this stuff. And then a couple of months ago, out of, out of the Blue, I'd gotten advice and I was following advice and doing what I could and 
pursuing all these things. I finally said, you know what? I've got to quit making excuses and just trust and go for it. You know, talk to, talk to different people like Nick about more having more entrepreneurial heart and, and to other people like Lola Brown, who transferred down, who's in HR within the entertainment industry and started talking and, and sat down with Natalie Doe about just, all right, you deal with a, a bank that has a lot of stuff in the entertainment industry. Is there anything you could tell me about going after my career? And then I started doing that, and, but I had to test my ways all the time. And I'll tell you, I put out my resume probably a thousand different places, and I got this many phone calls. This many. Then I got one after all of that through a way through, through Lola, actually, that I got one interview at Netflix for a job that was way above anything I'd ever done before and was a huge step up for me. And then they kept interviewing me over and over and over and over again. Did 11 interviews. 11 interviews. And then they offered me a job. I probably, in that moment, they saw my potential and decided to give me a chance. And it challenges me every day. But even there now, I have to test that. And God opened up a door I didn't deserve, that I didn't do anything for, and handed me something but I think at each step of the way, I'm going to get tested. I was testing in today. And I could sit there and tell you i got all this cool stuff that I'm doing and all these, all these very famous people that I'm doing stuff for. So what? Am I holy? Am I going to rest on my stats, my laurel, my who I am, or can God search my heart? So I must strive for that holiness every step of the way. A big part of it, though, of holiness is recognizing where we stand. And this is, falls right into a pet peeve of mine, but also a deep conviction of mine. Do you recognize holy ground? Exodus 3, 5, and 6 says, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When's the last time you felt that way? When's the last time you recognized that you were before the face of God? When's the last time you recognized you were in the Spirit? I was talking before it started here tonight. We were talking about the seat of Moses. And what they thought the most important seat in the first century within the synagogue was the seat closest to the Temple Mount because that's where the Spirit of God lived. So it didn't matter if it was here or in the far back. They wanted to be the closest they could to the Spirit of God. They recognize where he was. Do you recognize holy ground? The first place where there are two places I don't think we recognize it oftentimes. Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Is the first song for you to finish up your conversation or to worship the living God? Do you recognize the ground you're standing on? Do you recognize, do you have the thing, I came in, wait, there's God. Oh, wait, no, I just got to finish this conversation. I may not see them after, and I need to tell them. And I, you don't understand, I'm trying to move a study. You don't understand, I got to set up this date. You don't understand, there's a birthday party. You're saying, I got work all week, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't know if I'm going to see them again. We come together as a body that's unified to worship the living God at most seven songs a week. Seven songs a week. At most. And I'll bet at least two and a half of those are thrown away. Because we're not really there, ready to worship, because we don't recognize the ground we stand on. Is your household holy ground? 
Is where your family at holy ground? Do you claim where you work is holy ground? Do we start to recognize where the Spirit of the living God is? They only sang songs when they worshipped God in the first century, or prior, first century all the way back. Prior to the second century, till after Jesus, they didn't sing worship songs outside of the temple because that's the only place God's Spirit dwelled. They couldn't sing to God because God wasn't there in their opinion. We have the Holy Spirit right in this room. The Spirit of the living God's in this room. We don't have to go to the temple mount. Do we recognize that? Do you recognize when you're on a double date, that's four of you, it's a lot of spirit in a car. Is that car holy ground? When someone gives, we got a wedding coming up, when someone gives their wedding vows, do you recognize that as holy ground? Do we recognize those different aspects of life and recognize that holy ground. This is one of the most important things I think that modern that, that success blinds us to and why I think all the parables about the rich and the eye of a needle and a camel and all these different things is because we have a lot of distractions. When you're full and satisfied, do you still remember to go to God? Uh, there is a cultural thing in, in Western Christian culture, we pray before we eat. In Jewish culture, they pray after they eat. They're both, neither's wrong or right. We pray before because we want to be grateful for what God gave us while we're still hungry and, and have desire. The other side just says, I pray after because I want to remember to go to God when I'm full and satisfied. They're both just visible reminders. Neither one of them are a command directly. But do we have that mindset of holiness? Are we sucking and reaching and realizing this holy ground? And then once we recognize it, once we seek it, once we understand why it is important, do our lives demonstrate his holiness? Ezekiel 36.23 says, And I will, vind- I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. See, God's going to vindicate and demonstrate His holiness despite us, but yet through us. This whole chapter gets into a much more, this is a great chapter talking about how, how the people He's talking to were anything but holy. They had profaned God. They had said horrible things, committed horrible acts, and had turned their back on the living God. But yet... He says, I'm going to redeem you, and despite what you did, because my name is holy, I'm going to do these things. So I think once we start to understand that our lives are going to demonstrate His holiness one way or the other, because we're all going to have to go through righteous judgment, we're all going to go through righteous, we're all going to have to go through some sort of deliverance one way or the other, and we're all going to stand before the living God. We can either submit ourselves now out of reverence, and judge, allow ourselves to be judged now while we still have a chance to change and repent and submit. Or we can wait till it's too late. We've got an opportunity. And we have to recognize that each and every one of our lives, every single moment is a demonstration of His holiness. Every single moment is a demonstration of who he is. And if we could start to recognize that 
And we can start to learn these things and we can start to dig into it and we can start to understand it and we can start to grapple with these various aspects of life. We can start to pursue holiness. We can start to go, you know what? I want to seek it. I want to reveal it. Go ahead, examine me because where I'm wrong, I will repent and my repentance will show his holiness. Where I luckily got it right, it will show his holiness. Where he gives me a job I didn't deserve, it will show his holiness. When it allows me to date, break up, have a date, not have a date, eat well, eat bad, eat, work out, gain weight, lose weight, doesn't matter. All of it is going to demonstrate His holiness. But is it on our heart? Are we mindful of it? Are we intentful with it? And this is one of the biggest things that I think is a, is a challenge for us. Because I would say as a congregation, as a movement, uh, I, I would say by and large, most ICOC congregations would be what are people going to say about our church? Good family. They seem to be nice people. But do we understand? But are we known for our, our our theological knowledge? Probably not. Not that there aren't exceptions and things we don't know, but that's probably not our, been our biggest strength. Are we known for our holiness? I think we're known for our fundamentalism, but there is a difference. Not that not that being Following the fundamentals isn't important. <laughs> but why are we doing it? Are we doing it to seek holiness? Are we doing it to hold each other accountable? Are we doing it because we don't trust one another? Are we doing it out of obedience? What, what, what is our motivation? Who are we before the living God? What do we want to do? Because I think when we start to do it, we can have to understand that as our lives do it, as we pursue it, as we fight for it, our lives will start to take on a different, th- a different tone. But does holiness sound like a lot of fun? I don't think traditionally we think of when I want to have a party, when I don't think we often think of the Wakanda household parties as holy ground. But why not? But why not? Right, there is this, but why not? What do we do? I actually think a big uh, forgotten part of, uh, of holiness that's important is holy rest. The Sabbath, the Shabbat. Got a lot of holy rest going on. <laughs> it talks about in Genesis 2-3 where it was commanded, it says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The act of rest made the day holy. The act of rest. But what is a Sabbath? Do I have to do it? Does it have to be on Saturday? Is it Sunday? Well, technically Jewish days are sunset to sunset. So is it Friday night, Saturday? When does it end on Saturday? Do I have to leave work early on Friday? We can get caught up in all these rules. We can forget what it's all about. We can forget why the Sabbath... mattered at all to begin with. Why it was created. What was it meant to be a visible reminder of? And Hebrews 4 actually gives us a little bit of insight to this. In Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every editor to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. So this is post-Jesus. 
This is how the first century, we always used to talk about we're the first century church. This is how they lived. They believed that it was important. And if you read the entire chapter of Hebrews 4, it starts to show some illusions because heaven is the ultimate rest and we have not yet received heaven, so therefore we participate. And that, uh, that a Sabbath on earth is, the, is our participation of the heaven that is yet to come. God says that he stopped from all work of creating. He stopped and saw that what he had done was good when you read on in Genesis. That's why he rested. Do we stop and see that what God did is good? People have asked me actually over the last year several times. It's one of the things that made me think about this is people have thought about, I always wonder about the Sabbath. And if I did, how should I do it? And what does that look like? See, the Jews have wrestled for this for thousands of years. There was one simple command in in Leviticus. It just says, on the Sabbath, do no regular work. That's it. No more, no less. And people have spent 3,000 years trying to define what work is and isn't. Get caught up and lose the sight of what's important. Had a friend that grew up Orthodox Jewish, and her way of rebelling because Orthodox Jews don't even believe in turning light switches on and off on the Sabbath. So her way of rebelling when her parents, when she got in trouble with her parents, was to go into her bedroom and flip her light switch off and on a bunch of times. She's like, I'll show you. (laughs) But that loses the sight of it because now we, is that focused on holiness? No, No, it's just doing it because that's what we do. Why do we do it? Well, that's just what we do. Why do we go on double dates? Well, that's just what we do. Why do we, why do we give our contribution? Well, that's just what we do. Why do we give special? That's just what we do. Are we mindful? Do we see the holiness component in it? The rest makes it holy. And what would you stop to see what is good? I'll tell you, there is a, a, a number of scriptures that would take a long time to, to really lay out completely. But here's actually what I'm advocating. What I'm advocating is to stop and take time to see that what he's created is good. For me, what does the Sabbath mean then? That means if I want to go to Disneyland, I'm going to go to Disneyland and I'm going to enjoy it. If I want to go on a date and recognize the creation sitting across the table for me that is created in the image of God and see that that is good, I'm going to do that. If I want to spend time with my family and see that that is a creation of God and that what he created is good. Holy rest is a mental rest. It's a spiritual rest as much as anything. There is a physical component to sometimes we need to stop and this is the beginning of the weekend before this. There weren't a lot of week. You know, the concept of a weekend didn't really exist in most of the societies back then. You're welcome. No, um, <laughs> I didn't do it. But, uh, but the, so physical rest is important. We've got to know our boundaries. We've got to know our balance. But again, why is it for? We've got to remember to stop and see what God did was good. That is an important component of holiness. I think we can get so caught up in what we don't have, what we want, what our goals are, what we're striving for, you know, because um, it, it's that whole double thing. Do I focus on the over 100 pounds I've lost or do I focus on the 60 pounds I haven't lost? Do I focus on the job I got or the job I want? Do I focus on like how do I balance these different aspects of life? How do I find it and how do I understand it? How do I celebrate what God has done? How do I remember that? And so it drives me now. And, it, and it's helping to format my mindset a lot better. It makes me open to dating a single mom with two kids that I may not have thought of before in the same way. 
And now I can see God and I can see, and I'll tell you, talk, talk to the family and they'll tell you as they look at kids and I'm just dating someone with kids and I can only even imagine how much more it grows. But when you look at it, you start to say, how does my example impact them? Am I setting an example of holiness? Am I setting a, And we think of it when we protect little ones, but do we do that for each other now? Do you think of to the person to your left and to your right right now as you look to settle, am I being holy? Am I being an example? Can that person at work see God and are they going to find God by my holiness? And so again, the rest part, why I think this is so important, because I want you to see holiness in a different way. Holiness is not a religious expression. Holy is recognizing the God, what the ground God created, entire planet, recognizing everything on it which he created, you, me, what are all the songs, the birds, the bees, the animals, all the different, you know, recognizing what God has done and celebrating that and enjoying that and embracing that. And, and, and we've got to stop looking at what we don't have and look at what we do. If salvation is the only thing you ever got, you won the lottery. Sorry you don't have a Maserati, but you got heaven coming. Sorry that you don't have the children you want. I know that's important to you. You got heaven coming. I know that you don't have the car, your debt isn't paid off, or all these other stresses of life, which are very real. I'm not minimizing them. But when you compare it to the surpassing greatness of salvation and forgiveness and peace and rest, there's nothing you can do to pay for that. I mean, Disneyland does try to set a price on it. It's a quite large one. But, but in real life, what do we remember most? Life's, the memories that we want to remember... And I just think of all the great times, the late nights, the prayers. I don't think of the sleep I lost. I think of the memory I created during the sleep I lost. I don't sit there and regret the sleep I lost. Sitting in the parking lot talking to Eddie for hours on end after a midweek and going, oh my gosh, it's 11.30. Okay. So what? Really should change the sleeper timer. Um, but as, but as we do it, we recognize this holy rest, as we recognize holiness of God, as we recognize the ground, as we recognize what he created, as we recognize who he is. Are we willing to go before him? Are we willing to, to change our ways and what are we willing to give? I would venture to guess, and this is complete opinion, this is the book of First Dink, <laughs> I firmly believe one of the reasons we don't baptize as much as we can is because we took our eyes off of holiness. Because are you asking people to join a church or are you trying to bring them to the foot of the cross? Are you asking them to come to a Sunday service or are you trying to introduce them to a relationship with the Creator who can save their life the way yours was saved? Do you recognize what your life was saved from? Do you recognize who you are? Do you recognize how lucky you are? The finite percentage of people in this world, even if everyone who says they're a Christian was really was, that's still less than 20% of the world. That still leaves 4 or 5 billion people who don't have what you have. Truth is, we're probably a lot closer to the top 5%. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know God's heart. The God will do that judging. That's not for me to say. 
But what I do know is that when I recognize that holiness, when I recognize who he is, when I recognize when I can look into the life and go, I'm a, man, I can look at all the great things I have and I can look at all the ways I messed it up. Yet nothing, nothing matters. The pretty gold watch. I know it's obnoxious. Don't worry. <laughs> Does not matter compared to salvation. Leading a Bible talk, getting to teach a lesson, getting to whatever, you know, getting to have a certain company title on my business card. None of that stuff really matters. Doesn't mean I'm not going to strive for greatness. Not, it doesn't matter what I'm going to strive for in my heart. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to go for what's important. But what's more important? So this is about degrees. It's not about devaluing the other things. God created those things. God created those desires. But what are we willing? Have we gotten comfortable? If you're comfortable, I'm guessing you probably don't recognize holiness. Because anytime I read it in the Bible, because I know for me that's true, because whenever, whenever we see God's people focused on the holiness and the greatness and the, and the gratitude they have from what God did to their life, we see certain actions. We see certain... And, and the results, I'll tell you, it's God and other people. We, we, you know, what do, um, one thing I'd heard, is, I believe it was actually in Turning Point a number of years ago, they started defining what a victory was, what a success was. And it wasn't who you baptized, because that's between them and God. But did I do what God called me to do? Did I open my mouth? Did I share my life? Did I open up my home for dinner on Friday night? Did I sit at lunch and listen to a co-worker with the struggle they're going through? Did I, was I openness about my own issues? There's all these different areas. We can, we, can, we can argue, do I give of my time, of my finances, of my resources, of my heart? Do I invest in holiness in all the forms that that means? And what I want to have us do is take some time tonight to break into some groups. And to be able to talk about what we think about holiness and where we can, and, and to list some areas of your life where you would like to start recognizing holiness more and what you can do. And when we do that, I just want it to be a time to be able to talk about it and to recognize who God is and how we see God and how we view God. And, and, and hopefully that will inspire us to want to serve Him in a more consistent way with pure motives for the right reason. So I ask you to say, let's keep the groups like three, four people so you can really take a good time. We take about ten minutes and then we'll come back and share with each other. Why don't you guys go ahead and break up? Do you recognize holiness in your life? Where would you like to? How do you want to, how do you want to go about recognizing holiness in your life, essentially? Right around in your life, yeah. Being mindful of any of those areas. I'm leaving it pretty open-ended on purpose. So now as we're talking about holiness here and as we've been talking about it, and I, I obviously talked about the rest, there is a way that we do talk about it a lot of times, but we don't always use the word holiness. So what I want to ask you about is I'd like to maybe just inspire each other a little bit about where or what helps you recognize the presence of God. For me, it was the sound of the ocean, waves crashing at night. I used to live down at Balboa Island in Newport Beach. And hearing those waves at night crash on the shore just took the fight out of me like you wouldn't believe. 
and it was always very mindful with God. A very unusual one that some people might be able to relate to, but was one very dear to me was growing up as, uh, in high school was the smell of fresh cut grass. And that was because of football. It meant football season. It meant getting out there. And that was a very primal experience for me. And I always was very mindful of it with God. Uh, I mean, when I'm going to celebrate the Sabbath in September is Mark Shaw and myself and a few others watching University of Oklahoma beat UCLA. That will be a very holy experience (laughs) at the Rose Bowl. But what is it? What are some of the things that help you see and recognize the presence of God? So I will second that. I'll never forget the first one of the three greatest sights I ever saw in my life was the sunrise over the Sea of Galilee. And yeah, it's just it, there's just certain things that take your breath away. <laughs> Nick, I think uh, for me it's like watching people when you see them act in sincerity and maybe without like an agenda or right. do something that it's clear maybe they no one they don't think anyone's watching or you see that or you see that people where they're doing something and it's clear that it's like a sacrifice for God or something like that you know you know what I'm saying so right. um, that always like touches me or like gets me thinking about those things when I watch people or see people that Eddie um, just going to the beach at night specifically like Marina Dore just kind of dark um, here in sound of waves you know the moonlight the wind when uh, I'm driving I like to have the, the windows down even if it's very cold or if it's very hot either way um, I like to bike right a lot and that's one of the biggest reasons because the wind hits my face um, I like the beach for that reason so I don't know for some reason it makes me smile and it makes me think about God so, I mean, uh, for me, it's it's not the beach. I'm not a beach person. I hope that's not like city. I'm not even an outdoor person. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an indoor person. I love being in the house, in the room, in the wherever. But um, uh, for me, it's actually the very first thing in the morning uh, when my alarm wakes me up. And maybe because I'm conditioned just, you know, year after year. But the first thing I think about, um, even though it's like a Rihanna alarm, you know, or like DJ Snake or whoever, uh, the first thing I think about is God, and the first thing I think about is praying. So I feel like that, for me, the quiet moment, of, it's not quiet technically, but in my head it's quiet, because all I could think about is God. So it just, you know, I feel like it just conditions my mind into um, quiet time and praying. But, yeah. yeah, for me, it's uh, spending time with people, uh, especially ones on one-on-ones, um, just being able to uh, just fight with them and their advice. Their their walk with God, um, and the same with them, uh, vice versa, with them with me. I think some of the things we've heard, we've heard beach, mountains, sunrise, sunset, wind, quiet, people, no people, animals, everything is holy. We just all do it individually in our own little thing. It's how do we start to recognize all that together? How do we start to build it? And it's all great to be able to understand this stuff and to do it, but how do we go about changing a cultural mindset to help make meaningful change so that these things last beyond a lesson here or there that motivate us for a few days or a week? 
and I think it's one of the things that we um, as Christians can struggle with a bit. And I would say that at times we can feel a little entitled and we have a choice. Oftentimes we have to answer the question, but we don't think about it in this way. Are you a thermostat or a thermometer? What is the difference between the two? A thermometer can tell you the temperature of the room. The thermostat sets the temperature of the room. It's an old business concept, but this is something we need to apply, I think, as disciples. Are we going to tell everyone how it is? Are we going to help affect how it is? So how do we get more meaningful worship? By us being more meaningful in our worship. If one does it, then a second, then five, then ten, it spreads. We can all sit around and go, dating stinks if you're in the singles. Or you can be like certain two brothers up here that fly all over the world jet-setting across on dates, making sure that every sister in the church... You know, I don't know. Is it Denver on Tuesday? Miami on Thursday? No, I'm just kidding. I exaggerate, but I I exaggerate slightly. Slightly, I exaggerate. But you can either say what the issue is, or you can help dictate and affect the culture you would like. And I think that holiness is an easy one for us to do, because this is something we all agree on. This isn't something that we've got to go and do and have some big meaningful thing on how to do it be holy for he is holy it's not something that we need a focus group and plan and beta test and get a group together and test it out and come up with a plan and make a six month agenda let's just go out and be holy when I sin through my repentance let me show God's holiness when I actually have a good day and I'm mindful throughout the day let me reflect God's holiness Let me reflect that. Let me be mindful of it. Let us dictate and set that agenda. Let us go after that. And let us start affecting the temperature of the room and of our church that we want and the kingdom of God that we want versus describing or saying what it is. Because it's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another to do something about it. With that, let's close out with a word of prayer. Scott, would you mind closing?